Well, good morning, Hope Church, Mississauga. Pastor Ray here from Hope Bible Church in Ottawa. Love you and miss you so much. What a privilege it is to be able to worship with you this morning again and to bring you God's word. Just want to give a big shout out to your elders and Pastor Ted for extending the invitation to do this this morning. And I pray that you are blessed and built up and encouraged in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is from all of us here in our nation's capital at Hope Bible Church. Just want to say what a privilege it is to be partners in gospel ministry here in our nation and beyond. May the Lord continue to multiply his work through his word. Amen. All right, so let's open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. And we're continuing on in our series, your current series that you're in called Joy Inside, a journey through the book of Philippians. And what a timely series that is, huh? Praise the Lord for his leading because in this day and age which we find ourselves with with everything else that we're so tempted, our flesh is so tempted to try to run to, to find joy in, to find life in, to find fulfillment in. So much of that is just being stripped away and yet we're God's bringing us back to the place of true joy found in him alone. And I don't know about you, but as we look around us, whether it's on the TV screen, whether it's on social media, on the news feeds, anything like that, or even in the conversations that you have with people around you, it's very clear that this world is in a tailspin of chaos. It's in a tailspin right now of confusion and suffering and division tailspin of hurt and anger as dreams are just getting crushed. Goals that were set for 2020 are just taken off the table. It doesn't look anything like we thought it would. And, and jobs are being lost and finances are fleeting. And there's this increasing feeling around us as you read these articles and have these conversations. There's this underlying feeling of mistrust and hopelessness as things are stripped away. And all of these things are exposing in so many hearts, loved ones, the very purpose of life that is being brought into question for so many and all these things all this is leading to this question of what is the purpose of my life i don't know about you but when i have conversations with people around they're like why am i here why am i here everything that i was working for is being taken away everything that i thought was worthwhile pursuing that's not fulfilling what is the purpose for my life and then not only what is the purpose but Everything I thought about how to achieve that purpose, I'm having to relearn. I don't know. how. Even if I knew my purpose, how do I live that out? These are real questions people are asking today. What a, what a day for gospel ministry. Amen? What an opportunity we have to point people to the truth. Because here's the truth we have to understand. This is one of the biggest questions. This question of what is my purpose and how do I pursue that? How am I called to not waste my life? and live out that purpose 
This is one of the biggest questions that humans have wrestled with, not just today, loved ones. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. This is a question that people have wrestled with over the centuries. And the one which we struggle with the most today, guaranteed. We may not admit that with our mouths, but in our heart, it's a struggle. And why is it so important, loved ones, that we recognize this? Well, well, here's why. Because the answer to that question, those questions, what is my purpose and how do I pursue it and live it out? The answers to those impact literally everything else in our lives. That is not an overstatement by a long shot. Everything in our lives. Here's what I mean by that. It impacts our self-image. Our answer to this impacts our health. It impacts our faith. It impacts our roles and our relationships with others. It impacts our careers. And it impacts, get this, our view of the past, our view of the present, and our view of the future. And if we answer that question right, what is my purpose? How do I embrace it? How do I pursue it? We answer that right, we find peace, We find joy, we find faith, we find hope, we find strength in our trials, and ultimately, we find life. But we answer it wrong. Well, just take a look around us. We get brokenness, we get pain, we get fear, we get anxiety and ultimately, hopelessness. And yet here in our text today, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in Philippi, and we see clearly what our God-given purpose is to be. And that, what is that? Well, he's just finished unpacking that in verses 1 to 11 of chapter 3, and that he says in verses 8 and 10 in that, he says it is to know Christ. The Greek word there for know means gnosis, which isn't just like some little head knowledge. Yeah, I know about Jesus. No, no, no. This is an intimate sharing of the life, a growing in love for Christ, a growing obedience to Christ, a strengthening of hope in Christ, and of faith in Christ as Christ's power continually conforms us to Christ's image and Jesus lives out his life through us. How bad does our world need to see that today? Amen? And isn't this cool? Look at the timing of this. Paul is writing this message. As you know, Philippians is one of the prison epistles and Paul's writing this under house arrest. Paul is confined to a house. Any of you feeling confined to your house today? He's he's confined in house with Roman guards all around him and, and here he is. And I just love the fact that what this shows is our true purpose and the pursuit of that is not dependent on the circumstances that are going on around us. Be encouraged with that today. So often we say, yeah, I pursue Christ. I'd grow my knowledge if I had this, if I had this, if I got to do this. Listen, it is not dependent on any of that. And so I'm so encouraged by this because what the question that we need to answer from this is this, ready? If my purpose then is to know Christ, to literally be sharing the life of Christ as Jesus lives out his life, his power increasingly through me as his child, 
If my purpose is to know Christ, then how do I live that out? We've got our purpose, great, but how does God tell us and equip us to live that out? Especially, this is so important, especially when we're so tempted in our flesh to pursue all these other things we think are going to bring fulfillment, all these other things we think are going to bring life, all these other things we're going to think are going to bring us satisfaction. How in the face of all that this world bombards me with do I continue to pursue Christ and live out my true purpose of knowing him. Awesome. Well, here we see two truths in this text that we must embrace loved ones. These, aren't un- these are non-negotiable. If we're gonna pursue Jesus Christ and live out our true purpose of knowing him, we must embrace these two truths if we are to live it out and see Jesus Christ increasingly glorified in our lives and from the overflow of that, in the world around us, regardless of pandemics, regardless of hostilities, regardless of the circumstances going on. All right, can't wait to dive in. So let's uh, open up to Philippians chapter 3, 12 to 14, and let's read this together. Straining toward the goal. Paul says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you have made it clear what our purpose is to be. Why you've created us, why you have saved us, why you've redeemed us, why you've called us, why you've chosen us. It is to know you. It is to love you. It is to share your life by your power increasingly in your image. To know you intimately, that you would work out with us our salvation in fear and trembling for this world to see that there is a savior that loves them. There is a hope that awaits them if they would turn to you. So Father, would you teach us right now, humble us right now under the authority of your word. Say what you want to say to your church today. Guard my mouth from error and grant to me your understanding, your unction, and your utterance for what you want said. And Jesus Christ, be exalted and Build your church and help us press on in you toward the goal for the prize of your upward call. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the first thing we see here is that my purpose is to know Christ. There it is, so clear. My purpose is to know Christ. I must pursue his image. I must pursue his image. Look at verse 12. Paul says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. See, what Paul is speaking of here, he says, not that I've already obtained this. What's the this he's talking about? Complete or perfect sanctification in Jesus Christ, where the image of Christ is completely seen in and through him. 
He's like, not that I've already obtained this, even though it's the sole purpose of my life and I'm pressing into this, I have not obtained this and neither loved ones be encouraged today. Neither have you, neither have I. We will not hit our Christ-like ceiling in this life, on this side of eternity. Lord willing, when we see Christ face to face, we know that will happen, amen? But what Paul's talking about here is complete sanctification, the complete knowing of Christ, the sharing of Christ's life that he's been unpacking in verses 1 to 11 of chapter 3. Now, sanctification, loved ones, is a big term. So let's take a pause and we're going to get this broken down so we're all on the same page in what that means. All right, you'll see on the screen how Wayne Grudem, systematic theologian Wayne Grudem, he defines this, and I think it's going to be really helpful for us in understanding this text. You'll see it on the screen. Sanctification is a progressive work of God. See that? We'll never hit our sanctification ceiling. It's a progressive work of God, more into the image of Christ as we draw near to him and he works in us. A progressive work of God with man that makes us more and more free from sin. How awesome is that? Free from sin and more like Christ. There it is, Christ-likeness in our lives. If I could sum it up, complete or perfect sanctification, okay, means complete or perfect Christ-likeness. It means having the image of God completed in us with no sin. As I said, we're not going to hit it on this side of eternity, but we're growing in that from one degree of glory to the next. And when we are with Christ in eternity, we will know that in full. Praise the Lord. But I also, it's important to step back and get some clarity on this. We don't become Jesus, all right? Let's just make that really clear. We don't become Christ. We become like Christ, okay? As Christ's image is continually built up in us by his power. And so here, Paul wants the church in Philippi to know, hey guys, I'm the apostle Paul. He said, but I'm not a perfect Christian. I'm not a perfect Christian. And he didn't want to give them the idea that he's no longer a sinner. He's like, guys, I haven't hit my sanctification ceiling. I'm not going to hit that on this. I'm right here with you. I don't know about you, but that's super encouraging to me. When I look at this past week, I'm like, man, I'm thankful Paul can identify with that. I'm thankful that I have a high priest who can identify with my weaknesses, Jesus Christ. Amen. Even though he was tempted with the same things you and I are and yet did not sin. Praise the Lord for that. And so what Paul shows here is he shows this holy dissatisfaction, a holy dissatisfaction in where he is in his walk with the Lord as his sinful flesh is waging war against Christ's image, Christ's power that is growing in him. Now look at the back half of verse 12. Let's read the whole thing. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why, why, why? Here it is, ready? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. The word, the phrase press on there, you'll see it on the screen. It's a picture of a sprinter. A picture of a sprinter that is straining with energy and passion and energetic action towards that finish line. It means to move swiftly, pressing on, move swiftly to reach the goal, 
not delaying, not being distracted, not procrastinating, not being like, yeah, okay, Christ liked us over there, but I really want to pursue this of this world. No, no, no. Paul's like, I'm pressing on. I'm pursuing the image of Christ with all the energy and passion and strength that the Lord gave him to do so. It means, what does this mean? It means Paul's all in. Paul is all in. There is no cost too high and there is no greater purpose or pursuit that he could ever have. And here's why. Look at the back half of verse 12 again. Why? Why is he devoting everything to this? Why is this his purpose? Here it is. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Verse 12. Because Christ Jesus has made me. There's the motivation. There's our motivation. Paul states that because of what Christ has done for him in making him his own, look at this, Paul can now pursue the image of Christ in his life by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of him. The moment Christ Jesus made Paul his own through salvation and gave him the power of the Holy Spirit to live inside of him, he's empowered Paul to live out his greatest purpose in pursuing the image of Christ in his life and sharing the life of Jesus. Now, now let's get some clarity on this because I don't want there to be any confusion of this. Paul is not working for his salvation. It's not like he says here, um, uh, because I had to have made Christ Jesus make me his own. No, 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 no. Paul's not working this out to try to earn salvation. No, no, no. But Paul is now working out his salvation by the strength that God provided. The good works overflow from a life that is increasingly pressing into Christ and whose Christ's power is increasingly transforming it more into his image. That's where the good works come from. It's Christ literally working in and through us in our lives and the lives of those around us. This is the beautiful truth of the gospel, that Christ Jesus made us his own, that if you have repented of your sin and confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he has made you his own. How could he do that? Because he came to earth. Philippians chapter two, look at the back half, so beautiful. He emptied himself. He came to earth as fully God and fully man out of love for you and me. We would not seek God on our own. Romans 3, 10 and 11, no one seeks God. And God knew this and he sent Jesus Christ as fully God and fully man. He lived a perfect life for 33 years, the son of God, tempted in every way you and I will be and yet did not sin. And now he sympathized with our weaknesses and he went to the cross for you and I to pay the penalty for your sin and mine that we deserved. What is that? Separation from God in eternity in hell. That is what we deserve. And yet Jesus, as he hung on that cross, he took the full wrath of God to pay the penalty for our sin. And then he died and was buried for three days and then rose again, defeating the power of sin and death for all time. And that all who confess him as their Lord and Savior, all who repent of their sin and surrender to him as Lord, he has forgiven them. He declares them righteous. His perfect obedience is given, is, is given to them. That when God sees us, he no longer sees us in our sin. He sees us through the blood of his son. And he declares us righteous and justified 
before him. That's awesome because Christ Jesus has made us his own and he comes and lives in us and empowers us to pursue our ultimate purpose of knowing him and loving him. And Paul says, because of the sacrifice of Christ, I'm giving my whole life for this. Hey, loved ones, are you today? Is the sacrifice of Christ on the forefront of your mind? I mean, like, man, Jesus gave it all. I'm all in for him. Help me, Lord, because I'm so tempted to waver. I'm so tempted to wander. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, loved ones, doesn't matter what you've done in your past, Jesus today, God in his mercy has tuned you into this sermon and he's offering you a chance at salvation. And today, scripture is so clear, today that when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Because today can be the day of your salvation. You say, Jesus, I need you. My purpose is to know you. Forgive me of my sin and you will be saved. See, in essence, Paul is saying here, I'm not where I was. I was a sinner headed for hell, and I am not where I was, but I'm not where I want to be. I am growing in Christ. I see the evidence of Christ in my life as he's working out salvation in me but I'm not where I want to be. I want to be more like him. I want to love him more. I'm not satisfied. There's the holy dissatisfaction. I'm not where I was, but I'm not where I want to be. And by God's grace, I'm pressing on into the image of Christ through the power that he supplies. And this same holy dissatisfaction in where we are in our pursuit of Christ is so crucial in our lives, loved ones. Why? Why? Here's why. Because we only continue, you ever notice this? We only continue to pursue something when we're not satisfied with how much of it we have. You and I will only continue to pursue something or someone when we are not satisfied with how much of it we have. And today, just look around, we are bombarded with messages of who and what we should pursue as our greatest purpose. Here's a few. Jobs. Pursue your job. Pursue the next rung of the corporate ladder. Pursue money. That's getting stripped away right now. Pursue a spouse. Pursue a family. Pursue possessions. And none of these things are bad in and of themselves, loved ones, but they cannot be our priority. They cannot be what we're seeking to find purpose in. They cannot be what we are embracing as our true purpose. No, no, no. They will bail, you, bail out every single time. And as we fill ourselves up with and pursue the desires of the world, here's what happens. Our desire for Christ begins to wane. And in speaking of this, this is such a sobering word from John Piper. You'll see it on the screen. He says this, If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, that is the presence of God in you, through you, it is not because you've drunk deeply of him and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great.
Loved ones, what is the greatest pursuit you're pressing on towards right now? The small things, the table of the world, leaving no room for the great, or pressing on, pressing on to make Christ your own because he has made you his own. What's the greatest pursuit you're pressing on towards today? And then by comparison, just think about this. How does your pursuit of Christ's image compare to that? What are you pursuing as your first love? And you say, well, what, what, you may say this. You may say, well, what does a pursuit of Christ look like? What does it look like to press on? Well, here's a few things we see all throughout God's word. It's number one, abiding in the word of God. John 15, five, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That means you can do nothing of any spiritual good to make yourself more like me. So we're abiding, we are remaining, we are dwelling with Christ through his word. Professor Donald Whitney put it this way. He says, little input of God's word results in little resemblance of God's son. How's your God time? How's your time in the word of God these days? That's an indication of our true desire to pursue Christ. How about this? In prayer. Are we praying as John the Baptist prayed in John 3.30? Jesus, you must increase and I must decrease. Is that our prayer? Jesus, give me the desires of your heart for me today. I'm not asking you to bless my plans. I want to get on your agenda. I want to align my heart with yours. Are we asking him in prayer? How about this? Here's another way. So abiding in the word, abiding in prayer. Here's this. Through the church. Through the church. We cannot fulfill the purpose for our lives of Christ's likeness without the church. That's why Jesus gave us the church. What a gift. That's why Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says, don't stop meeting together. Encourage one another, stir one another up to love. What's that? A greater love for Christ, a greater love for each other. This is why we can't accomplish the purpose for our lives. We can't pursue the purpose of our lives without the local church. Plug in. Are we plugging in even on this pandemic? Are we tuning into worship? Are we plugging into our small groups? Doing life together. Here's another one. Abiding through the church. How about this? Through obedience. This is the outflow of abiding. Through humility and repentance and obeying God's word. Not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer in Christ's power. If Christ's power is at work in you, this is what happens. We desire more and more to grow in our obedience to him. If we love him, we keep his commands, Jesus says. But it's an overflow of our love for him, sharing the life with him. And you may say this. And I struggled with this for so long, loved ones. You may say, well, I don't have time for all that. I got got kids to feed. I got work to do. I got so many questions that need answering. I don't have time to abide. I don't have time to press in on these things. And, And can I just encourage you with this, loved one, that I needed to be challenged with? It is this. You and I will always have time for the things we make time for. Did you notice that simple truth? You and I will always have time for the things we make time for. And the things we make time for, here it is, are one of the greatest indicators of our priorities. One of the greatest indicators of what we're pressing on for. And so I just want to encourage you with that. That's one of the greatest indicators of what we believe our true purpose really is. How is that for you? How about for me? 
That's a challenge, loved ones. We've got to beg the Lord, and He is faithful. He will align our hearts to His if we draw near to Him. You see, so many Christians, and myself included, have fallen into the trap over time of thinking that pursuing the image of Christ in our lives is a secondary or optional priority. You know? And we may not admit that with our lips, but our lives sure show that. We think that it's just secondary. Well, I'll pursue all these other things. And if I got any energy or I'm not too tired, then I'll pursue Christ. No, we got to flip that thing on its head. The Christian life is the radical life. It is living life upside down from what this world says to have as a priority. But instead of pressing on with passion to make it our own, we can become so connected. We nibble at the table of the world leaving no room for the great, we can become content with the small things of this world and our lives become characterized by apathy and complacency in our walk with Christ and we miss out or minimize the very purpose for which we were created and the very purpose which by God's design will bring us the greatest fulfillment. And this is the beauty of the gospel. Yet through the saving and sanctifying grace of Jesus Christ, God gave us what we don't deserve and has made a way for us to pursue Christ and be changed into his image through the supernatural strength that he promises to supply to see his good work brought to completion. Hey, does it ever occur to you? This I have to remind myself of this every day. You and I don't deserve God. It's only by God's grace. He is the great, God is the greatest gift of God's grace to us. We don't deserve him. Do our lives reflect that? Or do we take it for granted? And be encouraged with this, Philippians 1.6. You'll see it on the screen. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. Christ is more committed to our sanctification than even you or I are. Check this out. And I am sure of this. Like no shadow of a doubt, Paul says. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work, Jesus Christ, who began a good work, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ when we see him face to face. Awesome. There is the promise of purpose fulfilled. (laughs) Amen. My purpose is to know Christ. I must pursue his image. Are you? Is that your greatest pursuit? And as you begin to pursue his image, last point for the day is this. You begin to realize that you must prize his presence. As you pursue the image of Christ, as you grow in Christ's likeness, you begin to prize Christ's presence. We must prize Christ's presence over all. Look at verse 13. I love this. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. So he repeats it again. I am not perfectly like Christ. But one thing I do, here's what I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. See, what's Paul talking about here? Paul says that in order to fulfill Christ's purpose for his life, of increasing Christ's likeness, sharing the life of Jesus, Jesus living out his life through Paul, listen, here's what has to happen. We gotta prize Christ's presence, which means we must forget what lies behind so he can strain forward to what lies ahead. You say, what does that mean? Forget what lies behind. What is this, amnesia or something? No, 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 no. Forgetting what lies behind. Here's what Paul's talking about, two things. Number one, Paul's achievements. Write this down. Forgetting Paul's achievements. Paul refuses to dwell on past successes and take credit 
and glory for past achievements that he has had since becoming a follower of Christ. Wait, wait a second. You say, wait a second. I want to remember what I did for Christ. I want to remember these things. No, no, no. Listen, here's why Paul says we need to forget what lies behind, loved ones. Because the temptation would be, as it is for you and me today, and the pride of our flesh, the temptation is that as we do that and think back, man, wow, did I ever plant that church? Wow, did I ever bring those people to salvation? Wow, did I ever preach a good message that led them? Listen, listen, notice what happens? The temptation there is that our dependency shifts from being upon Christ and what he has done and his strength, our dependency there, to now putting it on ourselves. And like Paul's saying here, that he would want glory for what Christ has done in and through him. See, Paul knew that the sinful desires of his flesh would always want to put himself on the altar of glory and not the Lord. And the same is true for us today. Man, don't we ever love to think that we're the ones who can slay the giant. Amen? That we're the ones who can toss the stone and hit the giant. Loved ones, if you and I can't take down Goliath, you and I cannot take down the walls of Jericho. It doesn't matter how many times we're marching around. It doesn't matter how many stones we put in our sling. We're going to chuck and we're going to miss every time because there's only one who can take them down. And that is Jesus Christ. And that is not you. And that is not me. He is the hero of the story. And whatever work he does in and through us to advance his kingdom is for his glory alone. And so it's not hallowed be my name. It's hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, my kingdom go. Forgetting the past achievements by, by taking credit for them when Christ is the only one who deserves it. Yet not I, but Christ in me. So there's the first thing we need to forget, the past achievements and taking credit for those things. But here's the other thing, past sins and failures Paul's talking about. Forgetting what lies behind. Paul knew that even though he had surrendered his life to Jesus Christ and Christ had made him his own, he was still a sinner. He still sinned and had sinned and failed in the past since coming to Christ. But like with his successes, he refused to dwell on and be distracted, or here's one, defined. Defined by those past failures, those past sins. Otherwise, here's what happens. They would hinder his present and future pursuit and ability to strain forward to what Christ has ahead for him. And they still will today. And here's the truth. So many people do not move forward because they can't let go of the past, whether in success or failure. They want the glory. They want credit. Thanks, Jesus, but I got this. Or I can't pursue Christ because look what I've done. That's hanging over my head. Loved ones, how many of us right now watching this, how many of us are being hindered in our pursuit of Christ because we're hanging on to past successes that have deceived us into prideful thinking? It's time to repent, loved ones, and humble ourselves before the Lord and remember who the real victor is. Amen? 
deceived us into prideful thinking that our strength and abilities are enough. That we can work out our salvation in fear and trembling without the power of Christ working that out in us. And we've lost our humility and dependency on Christ. Careful, loved ones. We won't admit this with our mouths a lot of the time. It happens so subtly. Ask him. Just humble yourself before the Lord. Ask him, Lord, where am I taking credit? Where am I hindering your work in me because my pride that you will not bless? You will give grace to the humble, but you will oppose the proud. Or how many of us are being or hindered in our pursuit of Christ because we're hanging on to past sins. We're hanging on in guilt, in condemnation, in shame to past failures and hurts. And we're sitting under this cloud of guilt, this cloud of hurt, this cloud of unforgiveness and condemnation from them. This example, well, a fear of failing again. Maybe this is for you. You're just sitting under this fear of failure. Well, if I step out for Christ, look what happened last time and I fell flat on my face. I was so embarrassed. I'm going to fail if I pursue what Christ is calling me to and, and I'm going to fall again. And Or maybe you're battling the discouragement of, well, I've tried to pursue Christ, but it's so hard. It feels like I keep failing. I, you know, like I'm not in the word of God enough and I'm not praying enough. And loved ones, he says, draw near to me. Draw near to me. Don't sit under that cloud of guilt or, or shame in that. Or, or maybe for some of us, sinful patterns or actions that we've committed in our past, you're saying, I can't approach Christ. And the devil, he's so good at this. Eh? He comes and he reminds us, remember when you did? You ever hear that voice? Remember, you think God can forgive you? You think Christ's sacrifice was enough? You don't think this defines you right now? You don't think that this sin is who you are? The hurt that you've caused those other people? You don't think that that is who you are? And the devil continuously pushes those buttons. He says, you can't approach the throne of grace with confidence. He's saying Christ's sacrifice wasn't enough for you to cover that, to cleanse you from that, to forgive you from that. But Romans 8.1 tells us different. You'll see it on the screen. Can I remind you and encourage you in this, loved ones, if that's you struggling today, there is now therefore. That means final word right here. Therefore, no condemnation. No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And loved ones, when the devil comes and he reminds you of those things of your past, remember this word, forgetting what lies behind, you can say this, yeah, you know what? I did that. But Christ has made me his own. Isn't it amazing what God's grace does? It's a new day in Christ. I am a new creation. I am who Christ says I am, not who you say I am, devil, not who this world says I am. I am who Christ says I am, and he says I am loved. He says I'm loved. In all of my past failures, he says I'm loved. And he says, I'm forgiven. If I've repented of my sin and confessed him as my Lord and Savior and received him by faith, I am forgiven of those sins. And his righteousness has been imputed to me. His perfect obedience has been given to me. I am chosen by him. 
I am secure in him. There's nothing I can do to be snatched from his hand. My salvation is secure. I've been saved. I've been justified. I've been cleansed. I am blameless in God's sight because of the blood of Jesus. I have been redeemed. I have been adopted. I am his child. That's who Christ says I am. And it isn't because of what I've done, but it's because of what Christ has done. What a savior. What a loving God. In your face, devil. I'm pressing on because Christ Jesus has made me his own in your face, forgetting what lies behind. Some of us need to forget what lies behind today and set our minds on who we are in Jesus Christ and the work he's done for us. You see, Jesus came and died for you and I on that cross to pay the penalty for all these sins that we've done in the past and the ones that will come in the future so that you and I, loved one, no longer have to live with the condemning sting of regret or the prideful arrogance of self-dependence and can now through faith in him, read, 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 verse 14, ready? Now through faith, because Christ Jesus has made us his own. Here it is. We press on. We press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See the goal, what's the goal he's talking about there? Complete Christ-likeness. Here's the goal, Christ-likeness in this life here on earth. Again, we can never reach that fully until we get to eternity, but there's our goal. More and more like Christ each day, there's our purpose. More and more sharing the life of Christ each day, pursuing the image and presence of Christ with every ounce of strength the Lord provides. We cannot do this other. Remember, apart from him, we can do nothing. We draw near the Lord and say, Jesus, make me more like you today in how I love my family and how I preach your word and how I live this out. Lord, make me more like you. I can't do this on my own. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. What is that? When Christ would call Paul home to be united with him in his presence in glory and for eternity. And you see, in that moment when Paul is standing face to face with Jesus, Paul would have, and you and I, if we are in Christ, if we are saved in Christ, would have the greatest joy, the greatest satisfaction, we have ever known the greatest peace we could ever imagine and we will see face to face the one he was called and you and I are called to give our lives to pursue the one we were called to know the one we are called to be like we will see him face to face and we will hear those words, I don't know about you, loved ones, but I long to hear this well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. See, the goal gave the picture of what was to come and the prize completed it. We get a taste of it now on earth, but that prize is going to complete it. And no pursuit or purpose could be ever greater than this love. I don't care what this world says. There is no pursuit or purpose greater than this. 
And there is a day coming very soon when Christ will call every true believer home. And I exhort you, brothers and sisters of Hope Church, Mississauga, with everything in me, live in light of this day for the prize of the upward call when Christ's presence will be face to face with us. Live in light of this day, no matter how dark this world seems to get, no matter how tempted you are to be discouraged or grumble and complain that things aren't the way you want them to be. Listen, listen, let this prize fuel you to live with a God-given humility, dependency, urgency, and passion to run in the strength of Jesus Christ, straining forward in his power for what lies ahead to pursue his image and prize his presence. Oh, loved ones, run, run that you may obtain it. Because I can guarantee you one thing based on the truth of God's word to us. When you and I see Christ face to face and when we stand in his presence, hey, we will regret nothing about this pursuit and the sacrifices that we've made for it. And we will stand in the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our greatest prize, and say you were worth it all. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we let go of all that we have just to have all of you. And I pray right now, welling up in our hearts by faith is the desire that whatever the cost, I will follow you. I will press on to make you my own because you have made me your own. Day by day, growing in the image of Christ. Lord, help us. Jesus Christ, you must increase and we must decrease. I pray for Hope Church Mississauga right now, God, that we would be, they would be united in faith for this pursuit in this season, God, pressing on for the goal, for the upward prize, knowing that he who called us is faithful and you will do it for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.